Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and through the internet deliver it to you. My name is Reverend Todd Laddick, and today I'm bringing to you part eight of a nine-part Lenten series entitled Drink from the Fountain of Grace, with uh, tonight's message specifically entitled The Cup of the New Covenant, based off of Matthew chapter 25, verses 20 through 29. So let us dive into the Word this evening. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? He replied, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. For the Son of Man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, You have said it. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God for this word. First off, wow. It's been, this is like, it's been three years since we've been together in a service for a holy week. I just want to. I just want to process that. Welcome back. This is great. This is great. Um, and finally, we moved past the video of um, our family washing each other's feet. It was a great idea when I thought of it, and then one I reconsidered afterwards. <laughs> so, um, but let me say this. Holy Thursday is a celebration of when Jesus gave us the cup of the new covenant. Holy Communion. Now, there once was this family who started attending a church. And on their first Communion Sunday, the pastor caught them before the service uh, started and, and talked to the two children. He's like, are you excited? And they're like, for what? <laughs> At least the boy said that. And then and then uh, the pastor said, are you excited that you're about to have your first communion? Oh, the girl responded, what's a communion? <laughs> the pastor chuckled and smiled a big, jovial smile. Why, communion is when we receive the grace of God through Jesus Christ. 
Oh, the boy said with a new look of excitement bubbling up onto his face. Oh, wow, I can't wait. So later during the service, the pastor lifted up the bread and began to say, on the night in which the Lord gave himself up for us, Jesus took the bread, <coughs> broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And following that, he had uh, everyone eat it, uh, and he noticed that everyone ate it except the boy and girl. So the pastor continued, and after the supper, Jesus took the cup and lifted it up and passed it to his disciples, saying, Take, this is my blood, the, new, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. Following the words, the pastor and the congregation all took part in communion, but for the girl and the boy. On the way out of the service, the pastor approached them. How did you like Holy Communion? She asked. I didn't see you come up. Why not? Sorry, pastor, the boy said. I wanted to when I thought it was bread. But I can't eat Jesus. That's gross. I'm a vegetarian, not a zombie. And then the girl cut in. Yeah. And who would drink Jesus' blood? Ew. We're not vampires. And the kids walked away dejected, saying, Mom, Dad, you think we could just stick to ice cream on Sundays? <laughs> from, an, from an outside perspective, communion can and really always has seemed very weird. The early church was persecuted by being cannibals, or persecuted, excuse me, not by being them, but persecuted for being them. Because they ate the, they quote unquote, ate the body and quote unquote, drank the blood of Jesus. So their Roman uh, neighbors thought that was kind of gross and weird and thought maybe they had like this vampiric cannibal cult thing going on. And there's written documents about that, as high up as the government, where people are talking about these crazy, blood-drinking, flesh-eating Christians. And as we celebrate this weird new covenant, looking, looking at the context can help us understand it and its rich layers of meaning better. Because I often wonder, like, if somebody were to come up to us and say, why do you find it cool to eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus Christ? Like, what is Holy Communion to you? Many of us would probably not be able to really answer that. What is it? It's just something we've always done. And so, hopefully having context to the importance of communion, and why it really isn't you gross, and why it's something blessed and holy and sacred, and mysterious. So first, Jesus and his disciples were having their last meal together. Before, it was before his execution in the middle of the Passover feast. So I want to revisit 
the story in Exodus, which we just pretty much read. In Exodus, God knew that when the time came, the Jews, the Hebrews, they weren't Jews at the time, the Hebrews, they were going to have to scram and get out of there as quick as possible. Because Pharaoh's window of letting them leave was going to collapse in on itself as he realized he just let his entire slave workforce go. Not a, not, you know, well, who's going to build the pyramids now, him? Right. So, so what God did was God said, look, Pharaoh's heart will, will give in. This, this last plague is going to be a real bad one. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to kill, kill the lamb, take its blood and put it all over your doorposts, and then cook that lamb. And when you make bread, don't put leavening in it, because that takes time for it. You have to wait for it to rise. No, instead, just cook it right away, because there's no time to waste. And so the Hebrews, following Moses' uh, directions, which were given to him from God, do exactly what he says. And what happens that night is that the angel of death goes over the land of Egypt. And anyone who didn't have the blood of the lamb on their doorposts were in big trouble because the angel of death came and killed their firstborn male children. All livestock all humans dead if they were the firstborn, including Pharaoh's own son, his heir, his legacy, his dynasty, gone. So Moses let God's people go. And this story marks the redemption of Israel from slavery and the freedom that will lead to the promised land. Believers are instructed to eat with their sandals on because God will and does call us to move at any time. And Jesus was celebrating this meal of redemption and freedom when he offered the new covenant. You see, on that night when they were eating the Passover meal for the first time, <coughs> excuse me, on that night, that was before the covenant God would make with them on Mount Sinai, just a little while later. Now Jesus comes. Now Jesus comes. Celebrating the same meal of redemption and freedom when he offers a new covenant. Second, this bread and wine that Jesus makes, this bread and wine that Jesus makes his body and blood for the disciples and us is already rich with Passover meaning. This is something that may seem weird and out of place to us, but in Jesus' day it had profound profound meaning. And his disciples would have understood it. And if they didn't in the moment, they understood it very shortly later. And the Jewish officials would have understood it as Jesus' followers later proclaimed it. That Jesus was God's sacrifice. 
of himself for all humanity. And that sacrifice was the final sacrifice. Passover bread was made hastily without time to let, to let the yeast rise. It was also a symbol of the bread that God provided out of the ground called manna. This bread kept the people physically alive in the wilderness. Yet Jesus takes this bread and provides not just physical, but also spiritual nourishment and healing. The blood of the Passover lamb coincides with Jesus' offering at communion. The lamb's blood marked the doorways of God's people and saved them and saved the people from the angel of death. And in giving the cup of wine at Passover at his last meal, Jesus deepens and extends the meaning of the blood of salvation. It is no longer only about saving the people of Israel. It is not only about saving the people of Israel from Egypt's oppression, but about saving all people from every type of oppression, including their own sin, through his own blood shed on a cross at Calvary. And third, though this covenant, or through this covenant, we experience transformation. John Wesley called communion a converting ordinance. We put down our sins and burdens, and God takes control and changes us, giving us new life. I want us to think about that for a second. When we partake in communion, when we partake in the life and the fellowship of the body of Christ, when we engage with Jesus throughout our weekly lives, our daily and weekly lives, do we feel like our lives are new? And if not, maybe we need to go deeper. Maybe we need to take a leap of faith and go deeper into our relationship with God. Through this new covenant, we experience not only transformation, but presence. In the bread and cup of communion, Jesus promises his own presence in a very real way. Jesus' presence in the gifts sustain us spiritually. Jesus' presence in the gifts of holy communion, the gifts of bread and wine sustain us spiritually. Through this new covenant, we experience forgiveness. In communion, Jesus calls us into confession of our sins and then gives us the gift of forgiveness through his body and blood and of table fellowship, restored relationship, not only with him, but with each other as well. And it, it, it really, one of my biggest pet peeves is when I go into a church and they're doing communion without confession, without the words of institution. It's just like a table there with some elements, and it's like, 
happy Holy Communion, take, you know, it's like that, at that point, why celebrate it? Like, if that's what it is. No. No, this is about transformation. This is about presence. This is about forgiveness. And then through this covenant, we experience eternal life. We celebrate, when we celebrate communion, we point back to the event in which we were given eternal life, which is Jesus' death and resurrection. And we get a taste of eternal life in the present moment of our earthly lives. And we point ahead in anticipation of our heavenly banquet, where we will all celebrate together and all the saints, with all the saints, and with Jesus in this life to come, in the life to come. So tonight, you are about to experience the Lord's Supper on this Maundy Thursday. You can either approach the liturgy and the table the same ways as always, if you are a regular worshiper. You can recite the words, go through the motions, and partake uh, without ever entering the holy mystery and benefiting from the converting and life-giving power it has. Or, you can really place yourself in the upper room with Jesus. Remember collectively the night in which he was betrayed, and how his selfless sacrifice, his unwillingness to save himself, brought salvation, eternal life, and the transformation of this world. If you experience it that way, then how can this supper tonight be anything more or anything less than transformative and as Wesley called it, converting? Friends and individuals transformed by Christ can do great and miraculous and amazing things. But imagine, imagine then what a congregation of transformed Christians will do for their community and their world. If one individual can make a difference, imagine what a multitude of individuals will do. We will love them by serving them above ourselves. We will love them by feeding and clothing them. We will love them by welcoming and including them. We will shelter and care for them. We will love them by bringing healing and wholeness to them. We will most importantly bring their Lord and their Savior to them. Amen? Amen? Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> then let's get to it, starting at the table tonight. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity to be here tonight, to be celebrating with you, and to be your servants, just as you served us. Lord, help us. Help us to be a people who love you continually. Help us to be a people who care for you. Help us to be a people who serve you. Help us to be a people who see others through your eyes so that we may serve them and bring them into your kingdom along with us. In all these things, Lord, we thank you for your example. We ask that you give us the strength, the courage, and the spark to live by. Pray these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.